as people we got to realize that you know we need others like a lot of especially in our culture we don't like to have somebody be able to say that they helped us yeah you know that we don't like to ask for help the reason why we don't like to ask for help is because we don't like want nobody to say oh he i made him i helped him i did that and we have a habit of doing this yeah like i've I've known people like that we close to like i might say oh yeah you know so and so cool he dope oh yeah that's my young boy immediately put him right there like yeah that's my that's my you know i mean I, i helped him out but me i'm okay with you saying that about me yeah you got to be okay with people helping you because literally I've had so many breaks. I had people give me opportunities that I couldn't have gotten for myself. I had people give me assists that I wouldn't, I never would have gotten to this door if I never would have met her. I would have never got here. I would never met Marcus if I never would have did this. It's like, it's a, it's a snowball effect. And I'm okay with people saying that because in a way it's true. And if that makes them feel better, that's cool. If you're watching this video, you're about to make a whole lot of money. You know, on the Monetize the Markets podcast, the goal is to show you how to turn your mind into money. In the information age, what do you know that you can package, market, sell, that can help someone else do what you've already learned how to do? Well, in today's episode, I get an opportunity to interview one of my friends, my brothers, man, we've been rocking for a minute. When we met, we was playing basketball. I, we'll get into that in a minute. But he does so many things, man. Uh, financial education. Uh, he's helping people in terms of short-term rentals, luxury car rentals, and impacting people all over. I watched the man go from not even caring about social media to growing an army of people where we're walking around and is that, is that, is that? And, and I think they talking about me, but they talking about him. <laughs> but uh, welcome, my brother, my friend, Seth Moti, seven-figure earner. An extraordinary person, and the boy can dance too. Push man, Mitch. What's bro, up, bro, appreciate you for letting me on. <laughs> hey, bro, it's so crazy to hear you say that. Like a multi seven figure, like stuff like that, bro. Like when I hear it, it just it blow my mind yeah. that that's even true about me. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's nuts. But this right here, we is in the newsroom. <laughs> we about to give y'all the news, the sauce y'all need to know. Bro, this is dope. I'm just want to say first of all, I'm proud of you for even having this yeah. and being able to do what we do on your own platform yeah. because we do this all day but just to be able to do this in this type of setting bro it's just so raw bro man i was honored like when you uh so mitch has a, a podcast as well the no fluff podcast phenomenal phenomenal podcast and i was honored when you started it to be invited yep number one first episode first person in mind yeah and which is crazy right because you know this we don't just we're both very meticulous about kind of who we bring on where. For sure. And for me, what I wanted to do, you know, I'm always talking about, I never want to just put something out just to say I put it out. Exactly. I'm really big on, I think our attention is expensive. Oh, that's true. Right? So when we're putting media out in the world, we're basically saying this is something that is worth someone's attention. So I was honored to come on, and you just let me come on again. Absolutely. To, to go in. But man, let's go, like when you say it, it's amazing to say seven-figure earners from where we're from on down the line. Like, your backstory, bro, even hearing how you got, how you learned how to repair your own credit when you, you know, from being a correctional officer and on down the line. Let's, let's go all the way before the Cullinan, the Rolls Royce Cullinan, before the Rolls Royce Wraith, before the Lamborghini, before the Tesla truck, before, man, you've got so many cars, it's ridiculous. Yeah, man. It's ridiculous. But before that in multiple houses, growing up in Philly, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, what was young push man Mitch like before you reached this level what was your thought process man. mindset oh man I wasn't nobody to role model your son after none of that 
I was just a basketball player, to be honest. That was my plan A, B, C, and D. And yeah. then when it didn't work out, I had no idea what to do. So, you know, that's just how I was growing up. I mean, I always was a kid who, because in, in Philly, we don't have to do our schoolwork to get to the next grade. Like, I just can just show up to class. Yeah. I would draw Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon. <laughs> like, they would, get, they would hand me a math worksheet. I'd flip it over to the blank side, start yeah. drawing on it. I literally, it's crazy. Like, I, I didn't do much schoolwork when I was in Philly. And then I didn't even start doing work until I moved down south. And I moved to Georgia, and they told me I won't be able to play basketball unless I got an 80 average. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's crazy. I got to do schoolwork. <laughs> it's not that I couldn't do it, because I could, but I just didn't want to, because I knew I didn't have to. So, you know, I was in a, a certain situation where I felt like, you know, I can just get by on the bare minimum. And yeah. I think, you know, a lot of our environments do that to us. So I wasn't really that much of a go-getter, except for when it comes to basketball. So that's really the true answer to your question. Yeah. So I don't have a financial literacy background. I didn't have. A, I didn't come from a wealthy family. My parents, they work regular job. My mom worked in a nursing home most of her life. My dad worked as a truck driver. Um, you know, they hustled on the side, of course. I'm, I was a part of that life. That was a part of the life, street life. So my mom just told me that my dad taught her how to sell drugs. Yeah. So that's the, that's what the background we come from. So as far as I knew, if I ain't making it in basketball, it was off to the races. It was yeah. like, just find a job. So that was my background. So as far as the new stuff, becoming like a person who we could say, I'm a seven-figure earner now, I literally just had to, to buy in and believe in myself because I started off on my entrepreneurship journey driving Uber. Wow. So two things, even before we get into the Uber piece, how did you make, so you're not growing up in an environment where you're having someone inspire you. It's not like Atlanta now. It's not like right. how the internet is and you can learn. So you have a thing. People normally grow through exposure. Right. You don't have the exposure. You're one track mind. How did you transition? And I'm, here's the, uh, the major question. How did it impact you growing up in school and you're used to just getting by, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm going to play sports. I'm not going to do anything else. Right. Did that show up in any way in your entrepreneur life? Ooh, to where, well, hey, I'm going to do this, but not these other things. Well, that's a good question. And I'm not even sure the answer to that question. What I will say is this. Um, when I transitioned, I took a lot of what I learned from basketball and applied it to my work life and entrepreneur life. Gotcha. So when I did get jobs and things of that nature, I, I knew how teams worked. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So I applied a lot. I, most of my analogies when I'm coaching and teaching now, I use basketball yeah. to kind of show what the deal is. Basically, like, why do you need a coach? Like Kobe Bryant, Tom Brady, you know all of these names, but do you know their coaches? Yeah. Because without them coaches, a lot of them wouldn't have no championships. Yeah. So I use most of my analogies that way because of basketball. So basketball taught me a lot, talking about teamwork, about, you know, not trying to be the person who does, like, one person can't win the game. Everybody 100%. has to. So I understand the power of systems and teams. So I applied that, too, when I started working jobs, too. So it, basketball did help me in that regard. But as far as, like, you know, not doing stuff in school, I think, you know, it became a resourcefulness. Because when I had to start getting my work done, it wasn't because I was very smart. It was because I was resourceful. So I would understand to find a smart kid in class and, you know, befriend them, build relationships. So I already knew that. So when I had to go start working and getting jobs, I knew how to build relationships with people to get jobs. Yeah. It was already second nature. So a lot of the stuff that I was exposed to taught me how to get things done. So I, I had to use my same resourcefulness when I started being an entrepreneur. That's a hat, what you're talking about now, from team building relationship. Everybody wants to build multiple seven-figure companies, but most of them think that you can do it with solopreneurship. And what... Mm. What the reiteration is all the time is you're typically capped in income by not just what you know, but also who you know. Facts. And we say it all the time. Now, we got to go. Bro, it's so much we got to cover. 
Mm. From like you don't you don't just wake up one morning like you, and scratch off a winning lottery ticket and stumble on multi millions, multiple multi million dollar homes that you own. It's dope, right? It's dope. To millions of dollars in cars and and some will hear it and we'll break down what that looks like. Some will say, why would you have that many cars? And how now it's not seeing it as it's actually an asset because you generate revenue from it. But Absolutely. you didn't start there. You started driving Uber. Absolutely. Like, let's go to that. Like, how did you go from driving Uber to having a fleet of luxury cars? Shout out to Uber and Lyft. Like, that's an opportunity right yeah. there. It, to me, it's like Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart, I don't know, even Amazon Prime. All of these, these apps that allow you to be able to just have a phone, apply via the phone, get a job by having a phone, and then go work. So if I already had a car, I can go, go deliver stuff. I can get a bike. I can get a moped and get busy yeah. and make money. So that was my introduction to entrepreneurship. My last job was at the jail. So I was working as a correction officer, and I was like, I don't want to have a boss no more. I'm ready to go try my luck. You know, I got exposed to Steve Harvey telling me if I hate my job to quit. I got exposed to my chief forcing me to go to a budgeting meeting at the jail where I learned about credit and stuff like that. Listen to him while I was at the jail and it worked. So now I'm interested in credit and stuff like that. So I'm like, you know what? I feel like I can go figure this entrepreneur thing out. So I went and started driving Uber. I said, you know, I'm gonna quit. I don't have no plan. I'm gonna go bet on myself. I'll drive Uber in the meantime while I figure it out. Yeah. So I started driving Uber. Um, and this is where I found out I smell blood. I, I call it I smell blood. So I started smelling blood because I started making more money than I was making at the jail driving Uber. I was like, damn. So the more you start driving, the more bonuses you get. And then I said, dang, if I drive this much every day, then I'll be making $2,800, $3,000 a week. So I, I, my average, I, sometimes I would be more than $2,800 a week, but I averaged $2,800 a week. And what I was seeing, I was like, damn, if I figure out this entrepreneur thing, like, I had to pay taxes on it at that time yet, you know, because you you're an independent contractor for Uber or Lyft. Yeah. So this is when I'm figuring out entrepreneurship. I literally like, dang, I'm making 2800 a week. I'm killing them. But then at the end of the year, I got to actually pay taxes so that I get a tax return. Yeah. So I'm literally learning. I'm not, I didn't go in there knowing how to, you know, have expenses written off, the mileage, all that stuff. I didn't know nothing about that. I'm learning as I go. So I smell blood doing that. And then whilst doing that, I fixed my credit. And then I already had my one Jeep. So my Jeep that I had, which was my dream car, I had a super high car note on it. So while I'm driving Uber and I'm, I'm like, I can't justify this Jeep payment, man. This joint is too high for me. So I got that when I had bad credit. So I started off, I want everybody to know, I started off with a 490 credit score when I went into that budgeting meeting in the jail. Say, hold on, hold on. 490. On God. 490. And the only reason I know that it was 490 is because I applied for the Jeep, that same Jeep that I'm talking about, and they would not give it to me. So I had to get my brother and my best friend to co-sign for it together. To get it for me, right? And I got it, and the car note was super high. APR rate was crazy, so I had a super high. It was an 08 Jeep Wrangler. This was like 2014 when I got it, and it was 08. And my car note like five, six hundred plus the insurance, like eight hundred dollars. That's a yeah. lot for me yeah. at that time too. So you got to go back a little bit. 2014. Yeah, that was a lot. Yeah. So me in particular, um, I had to figure out how to pay that note. Yeah, I was making 2,800 a week now, but it didn't make sense to me to pay that and I'm not even driving it because I've been working Uber all day. That's a good point. You feel me? So I meet a guy, they exposed me to this, uh, this app called Relay Rides and then it turned into Toro. So a lot of people heard of Toro now and I started renting that Jeep out on Toro. Long story short, I'm making 2,800 a week. I'm averaging 2,800 a week on Uber. I'm renting out this one Jeep and this Jeep is bringing in like 4,800 a month. 
So my income is a lot more than when I was working at the jail. So I'm smelling blood now. Yeah. I'm like, yo, I'm really, I went from not making as much money to making more money than I made at the jail. Then I went to renting out something else and leveraging things that I own and starting to realize that I can make more money. The more I put into this, if I figure this out, I'll make a lot of money. Yeah. So I'm actually getting my, I'm confident now to go do more because I've made a little bit more than I ever made. Yeah. So I smell blood. That's why I call it, like, oh, damn, I'm smelling blood. I can really do this. Yeah. So I started figuring it out. And then I went from one car to two and then three. And I, I did it over the years. So it didn't happen in how people want to do it now, like in one year. It took me about four years. My fleet got up to over 50 cars, 60 cars. And then I started what's called Joint Ventures. So I was able to have like 150 cars in my network, literally. Like not like a fake number of 150, like literally more cars than I can count. And I have to organize them on a spreadsheet. Me and my brother, I had to, he was working at Grady. And I told him, I said, once I'm making this amount of money, you can quit your job at Grady. I'll pay you more than what you make at Grady. He quit. He started working for the company. He got two master's degrees in business. I said, you do these spreadsheets, you pay attention to all these cars and trackers, you make that part easy for me, and I'm gonna run this bag up. Don't worry about it. That's that teamwork again. Exactly, because I couldn't scale it like without him and without my team that I started hiring because I wouldn't be able to manage those cars, pick them up, drop them off, wash them, make sure their maintenance is good, follow up with customers, answer emails, phone calls. Like literally trying to do that by yourself is impossible, even when you get past five cars. So you're talking about getting to 57, 58 that I own personally and then 150 in my network. It get so kind of sticky. So yeah, but I, I started off with just one. Then I went to two and the three. A whole year go by. I only got five for a year. The boy got more cars than Avis. You hear me? You feel me? <laughs> and I was getting cars from Avis. You feel what I'm saying? I was finding they was giving me them cars for the low. So when they was done with their rentals, I would buy their Avis rentals. You know what I mean? Buy them cash because they selling them at a discount because they were rental vehicles. We got to get into this. So a question I have, even in this right, we're we're going from four. 8490 credit score. Oh yeah, yeah. Working at at the jail where you've got a fixed amount of money that you make mm -hmm. every two weeks, every month. Here's what I got to get everybody to hear and here's why I'm going to ask this question. You go from low credit score not understanding how credit works. Facts. So, you know, this is a report of spending habits and money mindset. Mm -hmm. Fixed amount of money and fixed amount of hours that you're selling to the job to now Driving Uber, where you control your time, but you're generating five figures a month from that. Renting your car on the side, generating another $4,800 on the side from that. What had to happen in terms of not just to shift your income level, but your money mindset? What had to happen for me to shift my mindset? I, I think I, for me to switch my mindset was when I actually got into trouble. Because I was just, I was working so much, I didn't have time to spend the money. Yeah. So I did have bad spending habits, I would say. But I never had vices. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't club. None of that stuff was a part of it. But as far as just spending money, period, I just didn't understand appropriately how to spend money. So luckily, since I don't drink and things of that nature, I wasn't getting into too much trouble. But when I first made, I want to say this is when I started to switch my money mindset was when I had to first pay taxes when I made a lot of money. And that gotcha. was in 2018. So 2018, I made my first million. The same year I made my first million, I made two million, though. So that's when I had to pay taxes on two, over $2 million. So when I had to do that, you know, I had a CPA who was someone who I know. Yeah. Be careful. It was somebody who I know personally, not like they're a professional, but they said they have their accounting degree, whatever, and they do that stuff. They, they spread my stuff on QuickBooks and all of that. I can do that if I Google it. But that's what he was doing. So long story short, this person tells me what my tax bill is. It's over, 
a half a million dollars, right? And I'm like, damn, I don't have, I don't even have that in my bank account. Yeah, liquid. Right. So he told me the federal, the federal was over 400,000 and then the, the uh, state was uh, like 70K. So this is me coming from nothing and then touching 2 million a year. So the year before that, I probably made like 200 grand, 250 grand. You know what I mean? Net. I was like, okay, cool. But then the next year I make 2 million. And you talking about going from that and then paying the taxes and actually filing. So we filed. It's not like I messed it up, showed it to somebody, and then we yeah. think about filing this. I filed it. So now the IRS know what it is. They see my books and all of that. So it's, money has to be paid now. So that was where I kind of shifted my mindset on what I need to be buying and actually finding out what assets are, what type of write-offs I can do, what type of credits I can qualify for, the expenses, and then actually watching my money. So that's when I'm more turned off to an entrepreneur who knows what he's talking about a little bit more versus just, I know how to make money. Yeah. So now, not only do I know how to make money, I know how to keep money, and if I, if I don't know how to get it, I know how to find out who does know how to help me with it. One of the things we, we teach, right, even in, to, my, to my people, like the mob family, the monetized online business blueprint, I always talk about the phases of it, right? Mm -hmm. That first phase of making money. Right. People feel like that making money solves every problem. Right. No. Starts a lot of problems. Right. So like learning how to hustle, how to grind, how to build, how I wouldn't even say wealth at that point, how to just make money because building wealth is totally different. Building wealth is mindset, it's skill. Right. Making money is hustle. Right. So you're saying, okay, I made $200,000. Well, making money for us is like that zero to, to five figures a month because right. you're on the path to six figures that everybody thinks six figures is a magic wand that all problems are gone. From what you're saying is there was still more things to learn after you made the money because you go from making money to actually stacking the money, learning Absolutely. where to put it, how to save it to make sure you can cover everything Right. to then, which moves us to that third phase, that intentional spending where you're like, hold on. So making $2 million without learning where to put it, you lose money. Lost it. I was, I was broker than I ever been in my life after that because uh, I didn't have the, the 400K in the bank. I had money, but it, I didn't have it liquid. I was spending it places, and I had invested it places, but at the same time, I didn't have it to give to the IRS. Yeah. So this is when you find out certain things like, okay, I can get a payment plan. If I do a payment plan and it's over, over 50000 they got to put a lien on my house or my stuff. I don't want that. <laughs> so yeah. then I can do an extension so they can give me like a six-month extension. So I'm only know about this stuff because i actually been through it. I get a six-month extension. I got six months to pay this off. So now... I was in a situation where I owe this money, I got six months to pay it off, and I didn't have the money in my bank, so I had to run it all the way up. And then when I'm running it up again, I also have to run it up in a way to where the next year, I'm not in the same situation. Yeah. So it's crazy, like I'm a ninja mode now. So I had to learn that, and, and during that phase, I literally grew a lot as an entrepreneur, as a professional, as a business owner, yeah. and now I find myself to be more wiser, and now that's why you see me in the real estate space real crazy, because I'm getting a lot of tax cuts for doing a real estate place and then write-offs as well. So that's the name of the game. So you got to be able to grow as your business grows and you can't stay the same with our habits. So. See, someone, he someone hearing you would say, ah, ah, that's easy. Man, I wish I had them problems. You made millions of dollars. Here, what always happens is people don't realize and they, they think that money solves all problems. You're saying, hey, I, I went from not making money to making money. Then I got to figure out, okay, I st you still have the same pressure, right? One person's pressure is how do I make enough money to pay bills? You're saying, bro, I've got to figure out how to not owe Uncle Sam, do these, this plan, I'm generating revenue. How did you keep learning? 
right? Because here's the, here's the real reality. Sometimes with money comes arrogance. That's where true. you don't want to admit what you don't know. How did you how did you become how did you generate that type of revenue, keep the level of humility to feel comfortable learning what you need to know? Because you mentioned something about each person needed a coach. Yeah. And you reaching out to people to say, What do I do about this? Absolutely. So yeah, I had to get mentorship. I mean, I was just had to find somebody who's been in where I'm trying to go. Yeah. So I needed to find somebody who can tell me about the tax perspective. And I just started hanging around the right people. So when everybody you hanging around make that much money, somebody's going to be able to tell you, hey, look, you might want to do this. It's, it's literally a simple conversation when you start hanging around people like that. But if you're a loner and you're by yourself and you're trying to figure it out on your own, you're going to do things your way. Yeah. So I would prefer to do it the way that somebody's coming back from where I'm trying to go. Just simply just ask some questions like that. So that's how I changed my mindset of it. And I was able to not only be able to get the information, but get the person that they use, mm. which even makes it easier. I can be like, oh, yo, so who do your, uh, who's your accountant? And I'm like, okay, who, how'd you file? Okay, what type of credit did you use? Like, oh, what type of paperwork did you get? Like, they can just give me theirs yeah. versus me trying to find it and Google it. That's the easiest way for me. I try to use cheat codes. Like, so when you get, when you cheat off somebody testing school, you want to cheat from the person <laughs> who you ain't got to double check the answers. You're like, you okay, number cheat. one is A. You don't want to cheat you know from somebody I mean? who getting D's. Yeah, that's, you know what I <laughs> mean? So I just want to figure out a way to get the best cheat code. Again, yeah. when I was in grade school, I wasn't that smart, but I was resourceful. I at least can identify, okay, you're the, you're on a Dean's list. Like, I might need to figure out where you at and then yeah. kick it with you. But that's just a, me understanding at an early age the power of proximity. And they're not just going to let everybody tell the test. They're going to get mad. It's like, you can't look at my test. Yeah. But they want to give it to me. I have people talking about doing a whole quiz and then making me a, my own copy. This the Mitch copy right here. Like, <laughs> I already had them ready. I'm talking about, and when I had trigonometry, I'll never forget. My teacher, we didn't have homework, but we had a quiz every day when we come in the school. So she would give us homework, but you don't have to do it. She don't check that. She just do a quiz on it in the, when you get in class. That's her little cheat she do. Yeah. So when we have a quiz, I would just sit next to this girl. This girl named Jaleesa. like, Jaleesa, you have me right. Shout, have out, me. shout out to Jaleesa. Shout out to Jaleesa. Her name was Jaleesa Swain. Thank you, sweetie. She got me right through trigonometry. I did not even have algebra one at the time. So it was like, it was a real serious thing. But we got to, as people, we got to realize that, you know, we need others like a lot of especially in our culture we don't like to have somebody be able to say that they helped us yeah you know that we don't like to ask for help the reason why we don't like to ask for help is because we don't like want nobody to say oh he i made him i helped him i did that and we have a habit of doing this yeah like i've I know people like that we close to like i might say oh yeah you know so and so cool he dope oh yeah that's my young boy immediately put him right there like yeah that's my that's my you know i mean i, I helped him out but me i'm okay with you saying that about me yeah you got to be okay with people helping you because literally I've had so many breaks. I had people give me opportunities that I couldn't have gotten for myself. I had people give me assists that I wouldn't, I never would have gotten to this door if I never would have met her. I would have never got here. I would never met Marcus if I never would have did this. It's like, it's a, it's a snowball effect. And I'm okay with people saying that because in a way it's true. And if that makes them feel better, that's cool. Bro, I'm okay with it. It's so many barriers you're, break, you're breaking down because it could be a lonely thing when you're the only one making money. Mm. It could be a vulnerable thing to admit what you don't know. But what I always tell people, there is always an information gap between what you know and what you don't know, mm -hmm. right? So if you're, I know people who are speakers that think that they don't need help with anything because they're great speakers. But I say, but you don't know how to market yourself. Facts. So now you don't get the amount of opportunities you would get, or you don't know how to close a deal. So you don't get the amount of money that you should make, mm -hmm. or you don't know operations. So you're too late to reply to something. So they book someone else. Facts. You have to, people have to do skill stacking where you stack a skill with a skill. 
And that's what it sounds like you've done. You've put the teamwork piece in place. And you, yeah. you mentioned your brother. You said he was good with spreadsheets, operations. So you're out make, generating the revenue, marketing, and he's maintaining the business to make sure you can, oh, yeah. you can optimize it. That's what, that's what business is, right? It's playing that's to it. your strength. Here's what I would ask for people who are looking to enter into the space. Right, they can't. Everybody can't play at. You're playing in the NBA right now. I like that. Right, and I your, like and your that. League, and it's true, right? So here's why I say this: in your league, it'll be someone. Here's the funny thing. I'll tell the story really quick. So I remember being, I remember being with my with my godfather in Panama City, and his dream car was a Cadillac. Mm-hmm. We pull up in his Cadillac. We get out to go get ready to eat, and this young boy who was 14, about to be 15 years old said, that's my dream car. I'm going to try to get that uh, for my 15th birthday. And my godfather laughed and let him sit in and on down the line. I, I'll never forget it. In my head, I said, this boy who's never driven before wants to have what a grown man who's retiring has as his dream car mm-hmm. without even starting. That's what's happening for people now. They'll see you with Lamborghinis, Cullinans, with multiple houses, and now they won't even start because they think they can't start unless they start in the MBA of, of business. This is true. At the highest level. This is true. So you've got people who have, you ain't learned how to use your left hand, but you want to play in the NBA. This is crazy. You haven't learned how, what is a pivot, what is a pick. So you have people that don't have foundational tools that mm-hmm. makes it possible to actually win at that level. This is true. At the level you're talking about, bro, this is not, if something go out in that Lamborghini, that that's not as, Uncle Joe underneath the tree. Come on, what that thing? Oh yeah, no, sir. <laughs> that no, ain't one of those. Sir. It's never right. That. It's a whole nother level. I was telling someone uh, one little piece, one little like magnet messed up on one of my Teslas. It was fifteen hundred dollars. Oh yeah, for a magnet. I'm talking about something this big. It was fifteen. It was fifteen hundred dollars. One small piece. So the reason I'm saying this, I think it's important that everybody learns when on your level, like when on your level, master that level and grow to that next space. So like, if we can remember and go back to not where you are now, how, oh, yeah, does somebody, like how does somebody get started in the rental car business? Then we'll go into like the, the short-term rentals of houses. But like if, let's just say I'm working a job, I'm making 30 grand. I got a few extra dollars saved up. I grab my income tax, man. I want to grab a little car on the side. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have good credit. They flexing on you, Mitch. They got to hire them for a 90. They got a 650. <laughs> they, they flexing on you. They got a 650 credit oh, score, a couple dollars to the side. How does someone get started generating revenue in the car rental business? So the cool thing about business, once you figure it out, is that you don't need money or cash. You need something, though. You yeah. need a leverage. Like, you don't need to do any business that y'all ever want to do. It doesn't always take money or credit. It just takes you to sacrifice something. So we can leverage anything. So if I don't have the credit or the money, I can leverage my knowledge. So I can literally find out somebody who's coming back from where I'm trying to go. I can go shopping. Me going shopping is like I go to a rental car company and then go get me a car, the cheapest car that they got. I just save up my money. My, you know, we, you said I got a nine to five. So I save up my little money, go rent a car. I go see the whole entire process by renting one car. I see how he got my, he took my email, my phone number, he took a copy of my ID. I can see where he was advertising it at. I can see how much he's charging. I can see his rental car agreement. I can see every single thing. I, can, I get a copy of the rental car agreement and everything. So I literally can have my whole foundation on how a rental car company is ran, knowing the knowledge and skill set. And then when I go shopping, not only do I, I, I learn the game, 
but I actually make, make the person who's running the company. I've got to pause really quick before we get back into the episode to give you access to a free gift that I have for you. Well, chances are you there's some knowledge that you know or service that you are already doing. And I tell people, if you are doing any service or have knowledge in your head, you should be able to automate that to generate revenue on the side, whether you're cutting hair. Well, while you're cutting hair, what if you could take the same knowledge and skill and automate that to show someone else what, how to do it? You generate revenue while also helping others. Well, I created a free training that literally shows you how to package your knowledge and your services into an automated online course. Well, now instead of giving someone access to your time or letting them take you out to coffee, you can give them access to your thoughts without your time. It generates money for you, but it also helps other people. So you can type www.monetizewithmarcus.com and you can get access to a free video training that shows you how to do it. Let's get back to the episode. So I can go shake hands of Marcus company. I shake Marcus' hand. Nice to meet you. Hey, what I do is I'm a broker. I have a lot of different, um, you know, clients that fly to and from the city. Um, I would like to be able to form a partnership with you and send all of this clientele that I got because I got an abundance of people who want to get cars from you. But I be running out. So is there any way I can broker cars through you? So therefore, I didn't need credit, cash. I just literally just come shop with this man one time because I spent money. He's okay talking to me. You know, if I just go in there just talking, poking around, he might not mess with me. But if I spend money with him, get the cheapest car, he don't know what I'm using for. I could drive around the corner, come back. Yeah. Hey, yo, this was a dope rental. I took, you see how good I took care of it. Everything was nice. I say, hey, man, listen, man, you know, I, I want to introduce you to an idea. And then that's just me getting the opportunity leveraging my knowledge of the game. So now if I know I can put customers in these cars, all I'm doing is leveraging the same rental car space that I teach, which is, you know, putting somebody in a car. But I didn't have my own car. Yeah. So now I'm going to just use your resource. So that's our broker method. Uh, the second thing you could do if you don't have money or credit or that situation, you can do a joint venture. So if Marcus is in the person, he's in, he's in position. He has good credit. I have the knowledge. I know exactly what to do in a rental car space. I know about Toro, hire a car, get around. I know about the insurances that you need to use. I know about the trackers that you need to put in these cars. And then I just go to Marcus. I say, look, man, Pushman Mitch is my mentor. He taught me this whole entire rental car game. I think me and you can make a lot of money. We're just going to go get one car, and we're going to put this on this platform called Toro. We're going to rent it out by the week, not by the day, because I figured that if I put the booking on not instant book, they have to ask me if they can get the car. So I say that the only way you can rent this car from us is you got to get it for seven days. We got to speak to that, right? So it's, it's a nugget you just gave. It is not just putting a car on there. What so for someone who's wondering, what is instant book versus right. them reaching out? Like what is that? Absolutely. So when you put your car on instant book, if you do Airbnb and you put your place on instant book, that means that you don't get to vet them. You don't have to give them permission because they have a, a profile. They can book it because you let it be to anyone. Why? Why would the person want to? Because see if you got if you got that. a one star rating, and every time you get a car is one star, you can still book my car. You can smoke in cars, you can crash them, you can come back with the car late, you can come back with a different steering wheel on the car, and you still can have a profile. But when you come do a, you let your profile be on Instant Book, I can just come and just book your stuff, even though my record is messed up, and you're going to be subject to the damages that all the other people who left the review suffered. So I would prefer to actually vet each person that gets my car. Well, so I like, so it's the person understanding you're not just renting your car out, you're running a business with this. Oh, absolutely. So you're screening the people that are driving your car, you're screening the people that are sta staying in your home, and you're setting it on where they can't instant book it, where you can look them up. Absolutely. Make sure that it's the right person, that a person that is 
matured now similar to this i used to put my one of my my corvette yeah i just seen you went and picked it up there was big <laughs> cobwebs over there right <laughs> so i i'll keep a few cars in atlanta i used to keep corvette in south florida you know i'm always always in florida mm-hmm. and i wouldn't rent my corvette to anybody that wasn't at least 25. right they would have to be over 25 and then i started doing 30. Mm-hmm. where I, over 30 and certain qualifications certain things i would ask and i started discovering I started getting older gentlemen who had a Corvette in the city they were in come mm-hmm. to South Florida and just wanted a Corvette. For sure. So someone who's wanting to get into this, they, they realize they don't have to rent to anybody. It's not like it's not like a rental car company where whoever books you have to rent to, you get right. to choose and say, no, you can't have my car. Absolutely. And that's cool. So this is just entry level. So how I see it is, me, I don't use Toro. I, don't, I, I started off with those platforms. Mm-hmm. But once I was able to do what Toro does for me and take the risk that Toro takes, for myself, then I, I stop using it. So basically, Toro is great because what it does is, is it allows you as an entry level person to get into the business without having an LLC. You can just do it personally, but you should have an LLC. It should be ran as a business so you can write off all of the expenses. But you can come into the game not knowing much, and they will have the customers vetted. They will be doing background checks on anybody who rents the car. They will do your calendar. They got 24 seven roadside assistance. They're going to take the liability of if the car gets wrecked, they're going to cover it, the damages. They are doing a lot for you, which is why they get paid a cut of all of the deals. Yeah. If you are not ready to do that yourself, then they are getting a fair cut for the risk. Just like if I sign to a record label, and I'm just really good at singing, and I have no fans, I've never put out a tape, and then I come to Marcus, and Marcus is the one with money, and I say, look, you should put, put some money behind me, and I am not guaranteed to go and sing. I'm not guaranteed to show up for shows. I'm not guaranteed to follow up and drop a whole album, but he's taking all the risks with the yeah. money. Yeah. If I, he never gets his return on investment, it's fair that he gives me terms that are more feasible for him to get his recoup than I am. That makes perfect sense, so it's the same thing for Toro. But when you are ready to do those things, then you can come to the private side where I'm at. But I wouldn't suggest doing any of those things unless you get a mentor coming back from where you're trying to go, someone who can break down worst case scenario and best case scenario. If that's not your coach, you probably want to get one that's different. So that's my advice on that. I love it. So two things he hit. The car rental business, you say you got into it through Toro. You went from drive. You went from driving, driving a car with um, Uber. Yes. You had a car that you were paying way too much for. Yep, shout out to Jeep Strangler. He's called the Strangler. Right. So <laughs> that you des- he decides, put it on Toro. He's making $4,000 something on the side. So he's driving Uber, renting a car on Toro. Mm-hmm. Generating more revenue than what he was making working. Facts. A lot more, too. And you're saying more. anybody can get into this space. Right. So let's just, just forget like the, the Rolls Royce talk, right? Let's just start from on a basic level. If I'm, even if you are just want to do exactly what I did, which was drive Uber and then get one car and rent that, that right there in itself is going to make you over eight grand a month. You know what I mean? Even, I'm talking, let's just talk about if you discipline like me. Me, I'm driving every day though. So I'm getting up at 5 a.m. because 5 a.m. is when you get up to drive, so you're going to take everybody to the airport. But if you're driving for a Lyft, so this is the play, I always drive Lyft in the morning. Lyft always gives you a double trip. So if you get somebody to take them to the airport, then you're always going to put another person in your car from the airport for you to take back. Hold on, they got to grab that. That's a real bar right there. That. That's du- a, double up. That's a double trip. And that's long. So normally before, like if I start at 5 a.m., before 10 o'clock, I already got more than like $150 that day. 
So me in particular, I have daily quotas that I got to hit. I got to get at least 250 a day, 300 a day, whatever I'm going to do. I'm not going to stop driving until I get that. But you have to go out at peak times. You can't go when it's convenient for you. So that, mean, that mean I can't sleep in until 12 o'clock? Yeah, you can't be. It's, when it's convenient for you, I had a dude tell me, oh, yeah, they're not making Uber. They're not driving the same, paying the same thing as when I, you was driving. I said, yeah, they is because the Uber driver who take me to the airport every day, he make like $4,000 a week. Yeah. So they paying the same thing. And he's like, oh, I'll go out at 10 o'clock at night all the time. I said, oh, yeah. Well, who's out at 10 o'clock at night driving Uber on a weekday? <laughs> in your city, like no one. It's not even any flights going out. You get what I'm saying? There's no <laughs> There's flights. There's no more flights for so the day. that means that you want the world to be convenient to you. Like you prefer to drive at night, which is what he told me. Look, get up at 5 a.m. This is sacrificing time. I had to sacrifice. I didn't want to get up at 5. But for me to make the money that I wanted to make, I had to get up at 5. So that's one part. Let's just say if you're doing that and you make $2,800 a week, $2,800 a week every month, that's you damn near at 10 Gs. Yeah. Let's just, that's just, that's damn near at 10,000. But you're going to have expenses, which is why I say damn near. You're going to have your gas you got to put in there. You're going to have a car note probably on that economy car. If you get a good one, I would say a Ford Fusion, 2.5 liter engine. It's the best car to get. Replace the engine, $500. If it go out, you go over the mileage, boom. But either way, so get you one of those cars like that. And you push it to the limit while you getting your your bag up, right? Oh, but and Mitch, you get, they what? don't they don't want a Ford Fusion. They want a fancy car. Right, we're gonna get them they there though. They don't realize it's a work vehicle. Yeah, we're gonna get them they, there. They want no, no, Miss. They want the I eight. <laughs> they, they 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 want the I eight. They right. want they want the the Escalade. They want their favorite vehicle. Right. I wish I started never, with my favorite car. Never real. They're not realizing it's gonna cost them more than insurance, so they eating into their profits. Exactly. Yeah, it's gonna cost them more insurance. Like it's just really, and, and it's like it's certain strategies. Like I, even if they do got, you know, those mid tier luxuries, yeah. I can I can show them place for that. But that's not the simplest way for entry level. So the person I like to talk to that person, who's coming to the game, and then it'd be a mid level person not making this much money. But if you really can commit to driving Lyft or Uber, and you gonna bust them five in the morning, hit them like five days a week. You know me, I'm gonna do seven, but I'm gonna hit them five days a week, and then I'm gonna get one car. And then put that one out. So now with the plate that I, I found out about, because when I retired myself from Uber, so now I done got three, four cars at once. All my cars are out on Toro. What I did was I had that Prius just sitting there. I had the car just sitting there on ice. I was like, damn, what am I going to do with my Uber car I got? So then I finally put that car out, like I said, by the week, not by the day. And it was gone for eight months. And that's when I found out the play. I said, oh, it's, this is the play, the economy cars. Because people are taking these cars and driving Uber and Lyft, delivering DoorDash. They're using these cars to make money. We got to make sure they grab that. The people that are, are dropping your Instacart, your Uber, your Lyft, your, the people who are delivering your groceries, they need a car to drive. Mm -hmm. He's saying rent the car to the people who are using the car on Uber. Right. People who are putting it on Lyft and the person had your car for eight months. Eight months. How much would they, if you don't mind me asking, how much were they paying you per week? So what I charge is four fifty a week, right? Four fifty. Is, I'm getting like eighteen hundred a month. So for eight, a Prius, for a Prius, right? That I got my car note on the Prius was two hundred. It was one ninety seven. One ninety seven. So I was paying two hundred dollars and I was making eighteen hundred dollars a month, right? And then now, now we do the same thing still to this day, and we just got to put taxes on it because at that time when I started, we didn't have to put the sales tax. Now we got to. So we, it's like 480, 482 a month. I mean, a week, which is a little bit over 18 grand. I mean, 1800 a month, sorry. So if I'm making $1,800 a month per car and I found out that play, all I did was go get a bunch of economy cars. When that economy car paid for itself, I took that money and went and got another one. How much does something, if somebody's getting into it, how much does something like a Prius cost to buy? So the Priuses I'm looking at is like the 2013, 14. So you got to look at the minimums that 
you know, Uber. Oh, so they don't have driving. to buy a new car. Don't have to no, never. I to... never buy any brand new car. So if 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 you can help, if you don't got allocation on a car that's highly desirable, that's probably exotic over 100K, then I would never buy any car brand new. I'll always buy a used after it took the most depreciation it's going to take. Especially when it so comes 50, to fifty thousand miles, so about fifty, sixty thousand miles. Well, let's let's paint the picture of the perfect car. So the perfect car for this this economy play, we call it the thirty for thirty. I mean, it's out thirty out of thirty days. So the perfect car for that one is going to be like a Ford Fusion. You get it like 2014, 2015, right? Even it can sometimes it can be twenty sixteen, seventeen, but it's just you're finding these cars on Facebook Marketplace, offer up things like that. You take a mechanic out there with you. You can go get you a mobile mechanic right off Facebook Marketplace, or you can go to yourmechanic.com, get you a mobile mechanic, come with you to test drive it. People are selling these cars for like $3,200, $4,200. Literally, right now, today, my boy, one of my students, CEO Mono Chill, he literally gets two, three cars a week that 30, he's getting. $3,200 for something that can make, that can make you $400, $500 a week. It's going to make you 1800 a month. If you do the play that we run, the, every single car. Literally, I had a mastermind last night, right? I had my black club members at the mastermind, right? And I'm telling them how serious this ad is that I run for the, okay, you get the car 450 a week, unlimited miles, no deposit. You can drive Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, Instacart. That's my ad, right? I put it up. Rennie said he got one of my black club members. said, oh, I got two cars just sitting. I said, I heard you. Don't worry about it. I put this ad up. The ad comes back. 14 people hit it up, right? Those 14 people, I just sent them straight to his number. He booked that. Both his cars was booked out. Them cars are gone. He hit me this morning when I was leaving to come out here and was like, yo, yeah, both of them cars booked. Thanks, Mitch. Wow. Is that, is that eager of a play? Because these people are using it to make money. And the reason why they keep them is because that's how they're bringing the bread that they're making. I'll coach them. I'll be like, look, if you want to make more money driving Uber, you got to go out there this time. Da, da, da. Yeah. These dudes that love me forever. They keep the cars. They, they be giving me extra sometimes. They're like, Mitch, I got to give you this, man, because I'm killing them. They make, you, you talking about a person who can make twenty eight to three thousand dollars a week, and they only got to pay me four hundred? They cool with that. So they ain't had to get their credit checked. They ain't had to spend no crazy cash. They had to pay four hundred up front. You get what I'm saying? So it's, it's a simple play. So you're talking about making some people go to work for forty hours right. every week, fifty hours, and don't make three grand. Don't make three grand, four grand. Right. For somebody that's hearing that, they're like, well, how come with the thirty two hundred cell phones cost a thousand? So you're saying, and they could finance the 3200 Absolutely. Right? They can finance the 3200 or put half up. We're in income tax season while we're filming this. They can take their income tax, and now they would have a way to start a whole other business, generate revenue. And this is what I love about you. You're, you're teaching, and anyone who's hearing it, there's no information you're withholding. You're telling right. the cars, sure. the platforms. This is the impact you're making on your students. I've spoke for for your your people. I mean, I only I've lost count. Mm -hmm. how, mm -hmm. how many mm -hmm. times now? I just recently spoke for your mastermind in Orlando. Oh, Miami. Miami. Yep, my bad. My bad. Miami. I mm -hmm. lose track. In mm -hmm. Miami, which was phenomenal, rented out a yacht, took them out, food, um, in the cent right there in the middle of the city. We were literally where you can see the Miami Miami um, Miami Heat Arena. Oh from, yeah. From where you had your mastermind to create an experience for them, teaching them, educating them. You've been it's been game changing because not only is Mitch teaching car rental plays, but actually teaching them how to rebuild their credit, which is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Right? So he's teaching them how to rebuild their credit and the emphasis and the importance of it, saving money. And I love the tough love you give to them of actual work ethic and things of that nature. What do you think? Just looking out at the industry and those who are listening and say, Man, I, I love what he's talking about. I want to get into the car rental, car rental space, 
And we're about to transition, kind of talk about kind of what you're doing with short-term rentals and things of that nature. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions people have? And somebody's going to say, well, well, man, I love my car. I don't want nobody driving in my car. Right. You know, their car, they drive their car to work, the car sits at work. Would you think it's cheaper for a person to Uber to work and, and let their car be rented out? For sure. It would. You're going to make... So let's just think about it. You can get your monthly budget, how much you spend in gas. It's going to be more than that. Yeah. Than if you pay Uber. And it just depends on how far you work away. So it's just it's situational. But my thing is this. If you are in position to have a car that can bring in you $1,800 a month consistently, that's better than any real estate cash flow you're going to find, especially entry level. True. Unless you got like an apartment building. Um, or like a you know multifamily that has like six units, you're not going to be able to pull in. So this makes this makes the car an asset now and not Absolutely. a liability. Absolutely, because a car loses money. But now you're saying you're utilizing something that every person typically loses money on a car. Right. Now you're making it aware this is an an income generating asset for sure. Instead of just sitting in a parking garage, instead of just sitting in your garage at home, you're saying put the car to work. Why not? And, and, and the cool thing, let's make it fun. Okay. So the car game is so dope that if you know how to do it, you'll always drive for free and you'll get paid for accidents. It's just, that's how dope the car game is. Now you have to give them that play that you R told me. Yo. If, so some of them will be afraid of what happens if they wreck the car? What right. happens if they scratch my rims? Absolutely. Right? Ram rash. Could you speak to what happens in the event that somebody scratches their rims, get in an accident? How do they actually make money off of that? All right. So, well, every time my car goes out, literally every time, we got 90, let's just say 96% of the time, if a car goes out, they're going to scratch the rims. I make sure that I take care of my rims. I got a rim guy. He charged me like $80 to repair the rim. I make sure all my rims are black. Very easy to repair. We don't got no... Sapphire red rims, they got to get repaired to take three days, four days to get redone. We got black rims on all the cars. If you scratch my rims and you don't bring my rims back the way I got them, I'm going to charge you for them. If it's less than three inches, you can give me 250, right? You know I pay my due 80. That's another come up. On whatever I'm paid, how many days you had it, I know I'm going to get an extra 250 on top. Pay it 80, I give them this cut, I take my cut. For you just taking the cars, damn near guaranteed. That's one. Now, if it actually gets into an accident, there's a few ways that you can monetize off, and this is going to be the sauce that everybody doesn't know, okay? So when a car gets into an accident and it's repairable, all we're going to do, depending on your state, my state is Georgia, you can do this. It's a diminished value claim. Simply put, if a car gets into an accident, now that goes onto the Carfax, now that car is now worth less when you go sell it. Whatever it is now worth less, the insurance company is liable to pay that fee for however much is now worth less. That's the diminished value. Now, when you do a diminished value claim, after the car is fully repaired, you get a diminished value report done on it. Then you go to the insurance company with a diminished value report and say, this is what you owe me. Whoever assumed liability for the accident, right? So I'm going to get a check. I get checks all the time. I probably get them maybe three or four times a month. I get another diminished value check. My, my, you remember the rate you was about to buy? Yeah. I, got, I hit a pothole with that, 42000 I got 42K on a diminished value claim for going into a pothole with a, a Wraith, right? It wasn't put onto the Carfax, but it still was damaged to the car that is actually documented by the actual body shop, but it's just not on the Carfax. But I'm still liable to get my 42K, so I got to check for that. Here's what, here's what I, I want to make sure they don't miss this. Car gets in an accident, because that's going to be somebody's concern. Right. 
car gets in an accident, you actually profit from it because if it gets in an accident, the value of the vehicle have gone down. Right. Once you get this thing repaired, you can do a diminished value claim and get a check. Plus, the vehicle is back out there making money. Again, you're getting more money again from the same car, and you got a check while it was down. And then there's a double play, which is where every time we have insurance, we have rental car insurance, replacement rental car. So while the car is getting repaired, you need to have a rental car, yeah. right? So my car just went down. What am I going to drive? They give me a rental car. Normally, it's, uh, somebody says $15 a day. $25 a day, $30 a day, up to $30. I get the max on my insurance policy. So it's $30 a day that I get for whatever rental car I need while my car is getting repaired. Wow. So what they normally do is say, you can go to one of our preferred rental car companies, Enterprise or Hertz. But I say, no, I want to go to Push Exotics and get a rental car from them. And I go to them, but they say, okay, cool. So you got to get reimbursed. So just send us the invoice that you paid. So I go drive one of the other cars from that rental car company and then send an invoice. I just so happen to own the company and I get the reimbursed from the, a rental car from my company that I own. So that's double paid. For I accident. want them to not miss this. He says, set up the LLC, run it as a company. Mm -hmm. He's saying that if a person wrecks your car while you're renting it, you then, if you got more than one, rent a car from yourself and Absolutely. get reimbursed. Absolutely. Yeah, let me let me hold some. Yeah, you got a lot of money. Let me get so set, so get if it goes down, which we don't want to happen, and it's repairable, we know we'll get paid from it and be made whole. Because now while it's down, we're not making money that whole time, so it does have to be made whole. So that's how we kind of keep it sustainable. And then if it's totaled out, it's just totaled out. We have insurance that gets paid out on a claim. Bro, you've given so much game on this episode. This is what I'm talking about: turn your mind into money. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about. There is something that you don't know, and if you knew it, you make more money. Like straight up and down. He's basically saying this information that he's, he's learned, you actually teach this. Absolutely. He's, instead of him just taking the information, hoarding it, generating revenue for himself, he's turned his mind into money. He's teaching it to other people to teach them how they can then generate revenue. Man, I want to make sure before, we're going to have to do a part two on this. Because we, we didn't even get into the houses. We didn't get into the real estate. Go, go ahead while we all here. You, you're going to come back. Got to. Mandatory. We're going to do a part two because we got to dig into, I, I, I want to know, how are you getting all these million, multi, now I came to you to your crib. Yeah. One of, well, both of them actually. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm walking around and I'm looking at the, at the shower. I'm looking at the movie theater. I'm looking at the pool in the backyard, the basement, like 3,000 square foot. That's a house by itself. Oh, God. I'm like, this boy got... Not he like oh yeah that's at the other mansion you know you know you got a lot of a lot of money <laughs> when you at hey Mitch which house you at man I'm at the other mansion then I came to the other spot in midtown <laughs> like I said the boy I got his own money no <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> it's crazy to hear but we got we here's why I love this man and why I say great friend of mine your humility your heart to serve I see every day that you're online just teaching giving away for free Instagram live etc. Before I ask you the last few questions, tell them how they can connect with you, reach out to you. You've got your wealth of knowledge, an army of people. Tell them how oh, they can yeah. reach out to you, connect with Instagram, you. Pushman Mitch. TikTok, Pushman Mitch. YouTube, No Fluff, the podcast. Um, Marcus came through and graced us with his presence, so it's definitely a life-changing type situation. It's almost as good as this. <laughs> I, don't, I can't say it's as good, but it's almost there. But, um, yeah, you can just find me on Pushman Mitch on all platforms. Here's what I would ask, man. So many other questions I have. But here's, here's what I would ask. 
If you right now could mentor the Mitch who's playing basketball, cheating oh, off Lord. someone's test. Oh, Lord. Like we got to take it all the way back to the beginning. That Mitch who's playing ball, you said basketball or the streets was the only two options. Yo. You wasn't thinking about multi-millions. You, didn't ha you wasn't thinking about owning owning multiple companies. You wasn't thinking about impacting thousands of people. Right. What would you say to that person? Here's why. Because I believe it might not be high school, but it's a 20-something-year-old person that's lost and trying to figure out, man, I don't have a lot of money. It might be someone in their 30s, right? Let's not even do age. Don't have a lot of money, but I know that I want to impact people. I know I want to change my financial situation. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give them? I would tell them to set themselves up to be luckier. Mm. So start hanging around people, hanging around places where OQP, you can find OQP, this is only quality people. So if I was a person who wanted to be in a better financial status, I would hang around people who have better finances than me. So it's very simple. I go hang out at the most expensive gyms. Go take my, I gotta, if I got to go introduce myself um, while I get a test run, you know, they give you like seven weeks, I mean, I mean seven day trial at the gym. I will go to Lifetime Fitness, the one that's $200 a month. I would go hang out at places like, you know, what I would just Google the most expensive places in the city, St. Regis, to stay at a hotel. And I would go sit at the bar and I would just go talk to people. I would start putting myself in the position to get luckier. And I would find somebody coming back from where I'm trying to go, find me a mentor. So that would be my strategy. If I didn't have money, my strategy would be to hang around people where I can get lucky enough to make my friend group be people of quality. And then I would just, you know, tell them to work harder than everybody in the room. I absolutely love it. Man, so many, so much that we can go into. You can see why, like, everybody's trying to move to Atlanta, bro. Oh, yeah, this is what kind because of. Because our, our, our community, our squad, on a random day, it, like, we met, we met playing basketball. We used to do this entrepreneur basketball thing, right? right. So it was just, you, and we still do on Wednesdays, right? Yeah, yeah. Wednesdays so you got to own a business, got to be an entrepreneur. And what's dope about it is you're not just playing ball. We actually would connect, share what's working, what's not working, then afterwards we would go eat. Absolutely. So we, we connected playing basketball, went and ate afterwards, and you know you're in a good group when everybody fights for the check. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, everybody didn't, didn't pull one of these numbers. <laughs> like, I got it. Right. Like, so no, 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 don't worry about it, I got it. That's everybody fought one. for the check, and from then on, man, we just stayed in contact and kept building and adding value to one another, and that was, who, two, three years ago? Yeah, three man, I ago? think 2020. We on 20, yeah, it had to be like 2020. So Somewhere in there. And we've taken trips together since yeah. then. Out of the country, on down the line, and just build a great relationship. One of the things I love, man, is just your heart to serve. And I see what you're doing with the black club, your community. We definitely want to dig more into that oh, it's next cheating, time. Man. It's cheating. Yeah. It's and cheating. like what we're, we're, we, we were talking earlier about collaboration. So this year we both said we're going to do something together. Oh, yeah. We got you. I don't know what that's going to look like, to. but we're going to do something together because I think it's important to find people that don't do what you do. We have something very different. And I would say to you, you don't have to come and say, oh man, Marcus, I wanna be with you and push man. No, find your tribe. Find your tribe and invite us. Let us come and learn how you've built a community that you've, you all have turned your mind into money. You've taken what you know, you're teaching it to other people so they can impact their lives. So before we let you go, man, this, is, this has been another phenomenal episode of Monetize with Marcus. Any last words that you would want to share of how they can connect with you, anything you have upcoming? Okay, cool. Yeah, if y'all want to connect with me, just make sure y'all hit the gram, Pushman Mitch. Just do me a favor and just DM me the word Mark. Let's go, Mark. No, let's go with something more. Let's monetize. Go, monetize. 
Nah, that's going to be said too much. Let's just go Epic Nation. I like Epic Nation. <laughs> y'all just hit me with the Epic. Hit me with the word Epic in my DMs, and I'll give y'all something special just for watching Marcus's podcast, and I definitely want to take care of y'all. Anybody who Marcus send, I know I'm going to make sure I show some love too. So tap in with me on the gram at Pushman Mitch. DM me the word Epic. I'm going to take good care of you. Make sure if you are interested in what I'm talking about, um, I can really show you how to get into it at the entry level, medium level, all the way up to high tier. I got you. Dope, dope, dope. So he, he's got courses. He's got courses, programs, things of that nature that teaches you all of this, right? So from how to get into it, to what type of insurance to have, to what type, how to find mechanics in your area, like everything you can possibly think of. And what I love is a few weeks ago, came to his house and he was re-recording new videos and adding it to his course because he was like, no, nah, his information is not in there. So mm -hmm. that's not just recording and leaving it. He's always adding more value to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, until next time, family. If you need me, you know where to find me. I'll be over here minding my online business. See you in the next episode. <laughs>